Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. Hello, this is Dr. Joe Beam. Welcome to Marriage Helper Live. This is a program where I do my best to answer the questions that you ask about relationships, and it can be about any kind of relationships. But most of the questions we get tend to be about marriages in crisis. There's a reason for that. It's because of the fact that at Marriage Helper, we actually have a program that deals specifically with marriages in crisis, and we've had a tremendous amount of success in helping people in seemingly unsalvageable and impossible marriages actually be able to put that back together. And that's when we get so many calls about marriage crisis. Obviously, we cannot guarantee that what we teach, what we share, what we do for you is definitely, without doubt, going to work. But we tell people if anything works, if anything works, this will. No, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm not trying to make you think that what we have is not valuable. As a matter of fact, we have what we have is extremely and exceptional value. For people who come through our intensive three-day workshop, the success record uh, over 20 years now has been three out of four couples actually make it, turn the marriages around, and are able to put the things back together and make a good marriage, and we're happy about that. That number is significant for many reasons, one of which is the fact that most of the time, not always by any means, but most of the time, we have couples attending that workshop where one does not want the marriage to make it. He or she wants out for whatever reason. Maybe they have something else they're headed toward. I need to be out of the marriage with you so I can be in this other situation with this other person or lifestyle or whatever it might be. And even with that, with three out of four couples, I'm, I'm sorry, the majority of couples coming to our workshop or attending a workshop where one definitely wants out of the marriage, having a three out of four success rate is actually pretty doggone phenomenal. We are happy about that. But even then, we will not claim that if you come to our workshop that we guarantee is going to save your marriage. Only charlatans and frauds do that. And they're all over the Internet. They are all over the Internet. They'll make promises. Think about it this way. If what they promise seems impossible, it probably is like the one I ran across where the guy said, not only if you just say the words I tell you to say, do the things I tell you to do, not only will your spouse come begging back, asking for forgiveness, but will want to have sex with you every day for the rest of your life. Right. <laughs> you look at that and go, really? And then if you paid him, I forget what it was. It was maybe 99, maybe it was 399. I don't know what it was, but you paid him that much money and he would guarantee those things. And I'll tell you right now that going to happen. It takes work to put a marriage back together. And if you do the right things, it can happen. It really can happen. And we see it all the time, but we're not going to lie to you. We're going to tell you the truth. Now, in just a moment or two, I'm going to start taking your phone calls. If you'd like to call, call 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. Now, you can call that number and just listen. But if you wish to speak to me, then what you do is when that is answered, you press the number one. So as soon as you hear that answer, press that number one, it puts you in the queue and our call screen will talk to you. And hopefully that gets you in a situation where you and I can talk to each other. One other thing I want to mention, we just did something this past weekend that uh, we were kind of forced into by this uh, quarantine situation that we're in in America. But it turned out to be extremely uh, effective and we would not have known that had not the virus forced us into it. Now, obviously, I'm not pro-virus. I wish and pray that it would go away. But what we did was we did our intensive three-day workshop. But rather than doing it in person, as we have been doing it for 21 years, we did it online. And we had 12 couples. We typically, in our in-person, will have up to 28 couples on this one. On this one, our first one to do it online, I limited it to 12 couples. And we spent all day Friday and Saturday and a good portion of the day on Sunday together. And it worked extremely well. Therefore, if you're thinking, well, we really want help for our marriage, but obviously we can't come to Middle Tennessee because of all that's happening in the world right now. We understand that. But if you call our number in our office, 
and I'll be giving that to you in just a little while. If you call the number at our office, or if you just want to go to our website, marriagehelper.com, that's marriagehelper, marriagehelper.com, and then line up one of our client representatives to help you understand what we do and how we do it. If you've already been working with one of our marriage, uh, one of our client representatives, I should say, then be sure to call him or her. Say, hey, I just heard Dr. Bean say that you guys are now doing an online version and it works really, really well. And they'll help line you up to get in one of those if you wish. And if you don't have a client representative, then you do that or call 615-472-1161. That's 615-472-1161. We also have a toll-free number. (laughs) but I don't have it in front of me and I don't trust my memory anymore. So 615-472-1161. And if you need a toll-free number, you can find it on the website at marriagehelper. That's marriagehelper.com. And if you'd like to get in one of our um, online versions of the workshop, you can do right there from your own living room or dining room, wherever you want to do it from. Contact us right away about that. All right, let's start going to the calls here. We're first going to go to the great state of Texas. And in the great state of Texas, we're going to talk to Clifton. Hi, Clifton. How are you today? Hey, doctor. How are you? I'm actually doing quite well, my friend. How may I help you? Hi. Well, first of all, I appreciate you taking my call. Um, I um, have uh, been married for uh, 10 years and uh, just going on 10 years here. And, um, you know, my wife and I... um, are pretty textbook, um, anxious, uh, avoidant kind of trap situation. So I've learned <laughs> and, um, we both kind of come from a background of, of, uh, you know, some, some child abuse and things like that. And, um, this past January, uh, she asked me for a separation and, um, and of course it kind of pulled the rug out from under me. And, um, if I may ask kind of her, did she give a reason? Did she give a reason that she wanted a separation? Um, yeah, she said that um, she couldn't uh, picture herself uh, having sex uh, with me anymore. And, okay. Had, um, had, had, uh, had you recently been having sex or had that stopped for some time? Uh, no, we had been recently having sex. Um, okay. She, she and you didn't see um, any negatives during that? I mean, while you were making love to each other, she was not reacting badly before that? Not particularly, no. No, no I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have said so at the time. Okay, so so when she comes up and says, I want a separation, and she says, because I can't picture making love to you anymore, you said you just said that pulled the rug out from under you. Was there anything else going on? Anything at all? We we had been having a pretty rough year. Um, you know, we were we were kind of in our heads uh, a lot talking about, you know, problems, just uh we were starting to bicker more. Um there was a lot of uh, uh a lot of conversations kind of from, from my end to her about you know, sort sort of some things I've needed, or that I felt like I was needing. And sexual frequency was was a, a topic of discussion in that, and um, I think over time, um, it it kind of compounded to her to the point to where she felt as though it were ob- an obligation, and it stopped being something that was. So, how often would those kind of conversations take place, Clifton? How often would you be? For lack of a better word, how often would you be pressuring her that you had a stronger sexual need? Did that happen a lot? Um, honestly, probably like once every six weeks or so. So not that often. And were you pressuring her to actually have sex with you when she didn't feel like it or didn't want to? Okay. But she felt, if I'm, if, if I'm hearing what you're saying, she felt, or at least she said she felt, uh, put upon or pressured sexually. Is that correct? Right. Correct. Yes. We've uh, been seeing um, like an EFT, an emotionally focused uh, therapy mm-hmm. um, counselor. And it mm-hmm. kind of came out in, in, in those sessions that um, because of her, her um, a history of abuse and the way mm-hmm. that, you know, she was disciplined as a child that anytime she feels inadequate, it feels mm-hmm. as an attack or a criticism or something. And so it's just in the, over the course of, of the last year, when I would just bring up the conversations, you could, you could actually physically see her start to kind of shut down a little bit and just feel very um, overwhelmed okay. by, the, gotcha. by the 
her, her so the situation of mm-hmm. so the situation you're describing here is not that she's it, at least what I'm hearing is that she's not leaving you because she's running towards something she's leaving you because she wants to run away from something is that a correct analysis uh, correct yeah she stated that she just wants to be alone and that's the mm-hmm. only way she feels that she can be at peace okay so what what specific question do you have today? How may I help you, my well, friend? Well, with all that being said, there was actually something pretty miraculous that happened. I mean, I've been watching y'all's content for a while, and um, obviously this is the background of the situation. Um, she went to see her mother a few a few days ago, and she came home, and she said, hey, I want to let you know I, I uh, talked to my mom, and my mom, I told her everything, which is not something that she would have, normally ever done, nor would I have ever pictured her opening up to her mother that way. Um, obviously, they didn't have, they don't have an amazing relationship, but she said, my mom actually made me feel better about things, and she just told me that I, I shouldn't give up. And so since then, um, you know, after three and a half months, um, she's actually started to open up more. We had a, a, Good. a snuggle. So, so how might I help you? What can I do for you, Clifton? Yeah. Um, so yeah, sorry to get to the point. Um, she, she's, she's still posting, you know, some somewhat, um, cryptic things, um, you know, here and there, like on social media, like if this is the right thing to do, then how do I, you know, then, then why do I, why does it feel wrong? Or, you know, I'm unhappy, mm-hmm. but you know, this is, this is the right thing to do, but her actions are, are speaking positively when we're together and mm-hmm. I just, I'm kind of at a loss. I'm not real sure what to really do. I mean, I don't want to obviously have a conversation about, the things that she's posting when she's acting kind around me and, and end up having mm-hmm. an argument or a, a fight about something. Mm-hmm. But right. then, you know, I see this and it kind of affects me emotionally and it's a little discouraging. And so mm-hmm. I just want to know like what I can do to encourage her that she, you know, is that she can be happy and that things will be better, but without, mm-hmm. you know, making her feel, you know, without it becoming an uncomfortable conversation and okay. just how, how, right. how, to, how to move the ball forward. Okay. I think I'm understanding the question there. And I think it's a very good question. Uh, It's unfortunate that she's seeking uh, people's answers on social media because the vast majority of those are going to be idiotic. And what I mean by that is that people, based on their own experiences, their own opinions, and they don't really have anything to base it on other than something that happened to them or something they heard about or some pop, pop psychology they read. And so I strongly encourage people, don't, don't post things on social media and ask people's opinions because most of what you're going to hear, if you pay attention to it, it's going to lead you in the wrong direction. So, but that's neither here nor there. I understand, I understand that that hurts your feelings. I do get that. Okay. And I'm glad that you're not bringing that up because there's no advantageous, uh, there's nothing advantageous to you or her, at least as far as I can see in what you've described so far, if you were to bring that up and discuss it with her. Now, assuring her that the future can be better is typically not done by assuring her that things can be better. What I mean by that is if it comes across like you're trying to sell her something, trying to talk her into something, trying to convince her of something, it's probably going to work against you. And so rather than that, if if she asks questions, if she says, well, do you think we can have a good future? Yeah, then definitely speak to that. You know, honey, I really believe we can. But then they'll try to oversell it. Don't do anything that's going to come across as you pushing. So what do you do? In the interactions that you have with each other, and by the way, I'm glad that mom helped her go in the right direction. That's good for you, mama, whoever and wherever you are. And so Clifton, my recommendation is that when you do have conversations with her, don't push. Listen. Try to understand. And I mean seriously understand. And so if she opens up even just a little, pay attention. And, and it's okay to ask questions for clarification as long as they don't come across as being the third degree. So if she says something, it's not like, well, what do you mean by that? That's not a good way to do it, but say, wow, okay, I'm trying to understand that. Can you help me understand a little more? So if it comes across as truly trying to seek more information, trying to understand, because what's going on here, based on what I'm hearing from you, is that she has this deep inner problem because of what came out of her childhood. Somehow that's become associated with you. I get that because of the fact that you're the man she's having sex with. And if you continue to be the safe place where she can talk to you, you don't come back at her trying to sell her. You don't come back trying to correct her. All you do is you try to understand her. Then what in all likelihood that's going to do is create more opportunity for her to tell you even more. 
Now, you may not understand some of the things that she talks about because she's not you. You may not like some of the things she says because you may feel like it's somehow putting you down. But if you can somehow not react negatively, but really, really try to understand and, and whatever you do, don't look at her and say, that doesn't make any sense to me. <laughs> don't do that. Or don't say, I don't see why you feel that way. Don't do that. That all negates. That invalidates. Instead, say, okay, I'm doing my best to understand. Okay, I understand. Or when you do, I understand. And if you do that, understanding that this is not going to happen overnight, Clifton, it's going to take a little while, but you can pull this off. And that's wrong with phraseology. You can help this marriage come back together if you become that really good listener, allowing her. Now, don't push it. Don't try to make her talk. But when she does, try to understand. And my guess is that's what's going to put you guys back together. Now, if that EFT therapist uh, was doing whatever he or she's supposed to do, then they would have been helping you do that already or that you really just try to understand each other. And then we're going to go over here to Virginia and talk to Erica. How are you? Oh, well, thank you so much for taking my call. You're very welcome. How may I help you? Okay. I'll try to keep this short. I know with everyone calling in. Um, my husband, we've been together for 16 years. Mm-hmm. And in July of last year, um, he became kind of distant. One day he just threw he threw his rings off. He actually broke a couple pieces, so there was no conversation for about a week. And then he said, "I'm leaving. I'm going to my parents' house." Hmm. Um, and it it broke definitely broke my heart. But I figured he was at his parents' house. Weeks later, I figured I found out that he was actually seeing someone, and he said to move hmm. for me to move on. Come to find out. Um, it was actually a transgender escort that he had, he was talking to. Mm-hmm. Um, his mom led into him, let him know, hey, this is not you, this is not how I raised you. He came back home um, in November. But mm-hmm. there was no, he couldn't touch me, there was no intimacy. He didn't tell me he loved me anymore. Um, and fast forward to January, come to find out I found a lot of sex profiles for transgender escorts and he was actually paying for sex with regular mm. prostitutes um, for mm. drugs. Mm. Um, so he actually relapsed um, after seven years of being sober and we got him in a rehab the beginning of February. Mm-hmm. He's back. The counselor there at the rehab wanted him to go to his parents' house versus coming home, which is fine. So he's definitely there with his parents, his mom and father's watching him. Um, they're in highly supportive of our marriage. They want us together. And mm-hmm. he's back at work. The problem that I'm having now is um, while he was in rehab, he, he started telling me again that he loved me. Now when he's home, he's saying he's confused. He's not sure of the direction mm-hmm. for our marriage. He loves me unconditionally, um, but he's mm-hmm. unsure about himself. So um, when I actually ask him questions about, you know, are you still unsure? What about us? Or if I mention anything, he does not respond. He'll respond to anything else, but he won't respond to right. any questions or anything, any statements I say about our relationship. Mm-hmm. So... I want my marriage. So what, I love my husband dearly. Mm-hmm. I just don't know what to do. I don't, I feel, I feel like giving up, but I don't, I want to fight for my marriage. I understand. Actually, you sound like a very strong person to me. And, and you do know that the situation you're describing is an extremely difficult one because yeah. if he's being attracted to, to prostitutes, any kind of prostitutes, but including of course, transgender prostitutes, then he's seeking something over which you have no control. What I mean is, okay. it's not really, it's not really an abandoning of you, because mm-hmm. because when they when a person goes out to do that kinds of things, things that in their own moral system would be wrong, okay, and particularly, you know, like paying for sex and getting back into the drugs and again, uh, none of that is predicated upon whatever you do or what you don't do. That's a problem he has within himself. Now, if mm-hmm. if some good counselor, some good program can help him overcome that, like, for example, Sexaholics Anonymous or a counselor that he's seeing, then that's wonderful. But this is something that you will not make better by all of a sudden becoming a better person than you are. And you sound like you're a pretty good person to me already. As a matter of fact, I'm very impressed with you. Uh, you sound intelligent. You're able to put things out, present them in very, very good terms. And so if, if you look at me and say, well, is my marriage over or not? Is it salvageable or not? Obviously, I don't know. 
Personally, I don't give up on helping a couple with their marriages until one of two things happens. One of them, God forbid, dies. Obviously, there's no way to work past that. Or if, if, if someone of them marries somebody else, like I divorced you and I've married some other person. In my opinion, up until then, there's always the possibility of salvaging a marriage. But here's the question for you, Erica. It has to be on what terms. If he's going to continue to struggle with this and not get the right kind of help for it, and, and he's going to go out and be having sex with prostitutes, if he's also coming home and occasionally at least having sex with you, then that puts you in physical jeopardy. I mean, no matter what kind of protection he uses out there, there's always a possibility he can get something and that he can give that something to you. And if you are willing to take that kind of a risk, and if you're willing to let him come home, then that's your choice, not mine, obviously. But it really boils down to this. Yes, yes, all marriages are salvageable, at least potentially, although I can't speak to this specific situation. But at what cost? What are you willing to tolerate? What are you willing to put up with? And what I heard from you is if he gets the right kind of help, if he can straighten this thing out, then you love him and you'd love to put the marriage back together. And I think that's awesome. If it were I, I'd require some testing on that to make sure that he hasn't gotten some things. That's, but that's up to you. That's just what I would do. And I hope and pray that that's what happens. I hope that he does get straightened out. But you are not the one who's going to help him straighten this out. You can be there for him. You can love him. You can listen. You can understand. But this particular issue is within him. And if the right kind of help can help him get there, then you can put this marriage back together. If the right kind of help doesn't help him get there, then Eric, you have to decide what risk are you going to take physiologically like diseases? How much can you tolerate that doesn't destroy you emotionally? Well, he's off doing that again. He's off doing that other thing again. I mean, it has to be somewhere along the line, as much as I fight for marriages, and I'm all for that, somewhere along the line, you have to have this consideration. What's it doing to me? What is it doing to me? Now, one of the things I intend to do this week, assuming that I can get it all worked out and finished in time, I'm developing a new course about what people typically refer to as boundaries. And this particular course, one of being an hour and a half or two hours of videos, of course, broken down into smaller segments, but an hour and a half to two hours of videos, along with a PDF that comes with it. And the PDF works you through a whole bunch of questions to help you think through what you can put up with and what you can't put up with in terms of you. Not, not my making those decisions for you, but helping you think through what, what you can put up with and what you can't put up with. And if so, then what boundaries, when we don't call them boundaries, we call them stops, S-T-O-P-S, safeguards that offer protection, or what cores, that would be a criteria, what uh, continue our relationship essential. So stops are what things have to stop, and if they don't, here's the negative consequence. What things have to happen, that's the core, and if they don't happen, here's the negative consequence. Hopefully, I'll get that finished being developed this week, Hopefully. But it won't be ready for the market, but, you know, for a couple more weeks, because then there has to be editing and all those kinds of things. So it's not just an hour and a half to two hours of videos when it all gets done, where I teach and teach and teach. But those PDFs, where you work through those questions about you, are going to be very powerful. And so, Erica, I suggest that you look for that when it comes out. But right now, right now, please don't accept responsibility. Please don't accept responsibility for his behavior. You are not. Okay? It's him. In this situation, there's nothing you can do to change it. I do hope he gets the right help. But you've got to make some decisions as to what you will do if he does and what you will do if he does not. Okay? And then we're going to go over to Kansas and talk to Bill. Hi, Bill. How are you? Good, you? Thanks for yeah, How may call. I help you today? My, you're very welcome. How may I help you, my friend? Um, so I, uh, my wife left, my ex-wife left me April 9th, actually, of last year. And uh, our divorce was finalized at the end of the year. Uh, but with the COVID, she moved back in. Uh, mm -hmm. Got her pretty scared. I live out in the country. Um, mm -hmm. So um, obviously I want to reconcile. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess I'm kind of worried about how to handle the situation. I'm trying to do all my my smart contacts. Um, mm -hmm. Trying to really listen like you, you talked to the first caller. Um, mm -hmm. But I guess, obviously, when this all blows over, she says that she's moving out, and I would like to stop mm -hmm. that. And have How are things me. going while she's there? Are you guys having civil conversations? Yeah, yeah. Um, 
pretty decent. We have a three-year-old, and so, uh, like I said, I live out in the county, so we got a pond, so we go out fishing. We 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 do mm. a lot of things together, just like we did before. Okay, um, and in those things, things are going comfortably well? Yeah, I believe so. Okay, that's good. And And so what you're worried about is, okay, you're getting a taste of what it could be like if you put it back together, but you're worried that whenever this quarantine thing stops, this virus goes away, that it'll just be like it was before. That's what I'm hearing you say, correct? Correct. Okay. My friend, you love your woman. You love that wife, right? Yes. Yeah, I can tell that you do. And the three-year-old, typically, does the three-year-old live with you or with her? Uh, we do 50-50 every two weeks. Mm-hmm. So it's every every couple of days, and she switches back and forth, and then every other weekend. So every, when you every were still, two weeks, it ends up being 50-50. Excuse mm-hmm. me. Gotcha. And so when you were still living apart, were the, those uh, interactions cordial? Okay. And is there anything else out there that she's wanting rather than you, like some kind of a lifestyle, another person, anything like that as far as you know? Yeah, there's a lifestyle. Um I, I pushed. Um, I had. P- I suffered from PTSD from my childhood, so I pushed, mm. and then uh, she, she, her lifestyle pulled her away. So. And what lifestyle is, is that, if I may ask? Uh, it's kind of difficult to explain. Um, I, it's it's kind of her religious beliefs and and whatnot. So. So based on her religious beliefs, you don't fit into that system. Is that correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, someone, obviously, someone called I, it maybe alternate. Go ahead. Sorry. Okay. Well, you know, if, if when a person comes to that's part of what we call beliefs and values, and those things are pretty powerful and become part of a person's identity. I, I won't be able to help you with that part, but I can give some suggestions as to what to do while you're still together. It's a good thing that you're having cordial conversations. It's a good thing that you're being comfortable with each other, that you can go out in the back to the pond to fish and all those kinds of things. That's all good. I would recommend and suggest very strongly, my friend, that as you do this, now you don't sound like the kind of guy that's going to pressure her. I mean, you may be, but you certainly don't sound like that kind of guy. So I'd recommend this, that that you do be very careful about not turning into kind of a push. Because right now, what you want to do is not push, but pull. And what pulls people? Well, generally, it comes under the heading of four things, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. That's typically how it comes. And so you being the best you can possibly be at your age and situation, physically, intellectually, meaning that you have things that you can talk about with her that actually are of interest to her. In other words, if you're a nuclear engineer and she knows nothing about it and doesn't want to talk about it, but that's what you talk about. That's not an intellectual connection. On the other hand, if she likes making pottery and you wind up learning enough about pottery, you can at least discuss it with her intelligently, then that actually is an intellectual attraction. Intellectual attraction has to do with the fact that we can understand each other. We can talk about things that are mutual to each other, whether each of us can comprehend something of it, as opposed to if I'm the nuclear engineer talking to my wife who has no interest in that. Then, then we really aren't having a, an intellectual conversation where we're drawn to each other intellectually because it's just distancing one from the other. So you find the areas you can talk about that are mutual. And sometimes that means you find something that's important to the spouse and you learn about it so you can talk about it to him or her. That actually intensifies intellectual attraction. Hey, you understand. You're getting it. Oh, you're getting the nuances of it. That's awesome. And then emotional attraction has to do with doing and saying things that evoke positive emotions in the other person. Notice that the key there is evoking positive emotions in the other person. And so if you find yourself doing anything evoking negative emotions, stop. Unless it's something you absolutely have to do, stop. And if you discover you're doing things that evoke positive emotions, then replicate those. Keep doing them, but not too often. In other words, don't drive the other person crazy with it. And then spiritually, try to understand where she's coming from and without sacrificing your own beliefs and values, because that's part of your identity that's important to you, as much as possible, if you can identify with, at least to the very least, understand, but as much as you can possibly identify with her beliefs and values without sacrificing your own, the more attractive you become to her. And so, Bill, in the situation we're describing, it sounds like you're already doing some of those things really, really well. And I hope that you hang on there and keep doing that. But when it comes to the spiritual values, 
if there's any way you can relate to those without sacrificing your own, I think that's probably going to be a real key here. Just don't pretend. Don't be fake about it. But you don't sound like the kind of guy who would be anyway. Be real. And then we're going up to the great state of Alaska, and we're talking to J.C. up there. Hi, J.C. How are you today? Good. Uh, thanks for taking my call, Dr. Beam. You're very welcome. How may I help you, my friend? Yeah, so uh, just a quick background. Um, so I'm, I'm married for almost uh, three years now, and uh, um, a month ago uh, my wife decided to, to separate um, mm-hmm. Um, you know, she wasn't, uh, when she had left, uh, she said, uh, you know, she didn't like, um, how she was, um, when she's around me. And there was also an issue with, uh, um, trusting me, um, because she felt like I had a problem with lying, which I'm currently seeing a therapist for right now. Um, mm-hmm. but anyways, throughout these, uh, last four weeks, um, you know, I've just been getting this, uh, hot and cold interactions with her where, um, mm-hmm. uh, where she would talk about, you know, how I'm a great friend to her, uh, and there's a part of her that wants to work on the relationship, but she doesn't want to listen to that part anymore. Um, and anyways, uh, um, yeah, I've been practicing my smart contacts, and, you know, I've, I've done the, I've started in the 10-week course and realized, you know, the walls I've put up and the four horsemen, I'm, I've committed all of them, <laughs> which, uh, mm-hmm. which yeah, Welcome to the club, my friend. I, yeah, which okay. is why I was pushing her away. Um, mm-hmm. But because um, she doesn't want to um, process her emotions right now, um, mm-hmm. you know, it feels like um, we've kind of done this ro- uh, role reversal because she was usually the emotional one, and I'm the one that's typically walled off. But ever since mm-hmm. the separation, you know, she's got her walls now, and, you know, I'm – you know, really thinking about, you know, my emotions. Um, mm-hmm. So my question is, because she doesn't want to process her emotions, and she mm-hmm. uh, told me a couple of days ago that, um, you know, she's told her uh, um, uh, close friends and and, uh, and and some of her family about the, the situation that we're uh, in, that, you know, I'm, there's that worry in me that, you know, those might influence uh, her decision without actually having to process her emotions uh, about us. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and her uh, her close friends are, you know, have uh, um, a different lifestyle where, you know, it's, you know, it's mm-hmm. all about single or, or living single. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. there's that. So if you're asking me, J.C., if you should worry about it, you're not. I'm I'm hearing what you're saying. You're not asking me what you should do about it. You're asking me if you should worry about it. Am I hearing that correctly? Uh, Yeah. Okay. It. It. I understand that. I mean, I really, really do. One of the things, for example, if a couple, you know, interacts with us, if they work with our organization, we encourage them. You know, you understand. We don't tell people what to do because we don't have that right, but we certainly encourage them, and we encourage people who are in any kind of marital distress, please don't to your family for advice. Please don't go to your friends for advice because even if they're really good people, wise people, smart people, and I'm sure most of them are because of the fact that they love you, they'll tend to give you poor advice because if they think you're being hurt, they're going to say things are going to be negative about the other person or about the situation. So be careful about that. And then it gets even worse if they worse. I'm going to take that word off the table right now. It, it gets even more um, potentially problematic if, if indeed people that are really good friends are living a different lifestyle and making that lifestyle appear to be very appealing so that that the person, in this case, it would be your wife. Well, if her friends are all hanging out, doing things that typically single women would do, drinking, hanging out at bars, et cetera, whatever it might be, and, and they make that very appealing to her, can that potentially make it more difficult for you guys to put it back together? And the answer is yes. And so if you say, should I worry about it? I, and let me phrase it this way, if I may. Yeah, it does matter. It will have an effect. It's either going to have a positive effect, a neutral effect, or a negative effect, but it's going to have an effect. But why worry about something you can't control? I mean, if you do that, you're going to be worried all your life. And so one of the things that helps you become stronger is that you deal with the things that you can deal with. You deal with the things that you have some control over. And those are things that have to do with you. 
for example, if you were to call her up and say, hey, I just talked to this guy on, on uh, the Internet there, and, and he said you should not be talking to your friends, that's going to come out badly <laughs> because she's going to hear that as control. Or you need to be careful about talking to your family about what we've got going on. That's going to come across very negatively. It's not going to be good. And so try, rather than trying to worry too much about or allowing yourself, I should say, to worry too much about that, and trying to figure out what you're going to do about that or how you control that, I would recommend that you focus more and more on you. So what I heard you say was you've had some problems with lying. That happens with some people, but I heard you say you're getting therapy for that. And I go, great. I'm glad that you're doing that. Wonderful. And keep doing that. Become the best that you can be. And try, my friend, not to worry too much about those things. Try your best not to worry about those things over which you have no control. So in the short answer, yeah, yeah, they will affect her one way or the other. The long answer is but that's not something that you have anything you can do about. The only thing that you can do things about is becoming the best you you can be. And you say, well, then, then I should just give up. No, 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 no. The point here is you become the best you you can be to the point so much that it negates or overcomes any negative advice she's getting out there. You understand when, when Alice and I, we were divorced for three years back well, a long time ago. And when I asked her if she would come back and marry me a second time, everybody in her world, everybody in her world said no. Her family, her friends, religious leaders that she went to talk to, her best friend even said, if you marry Joe again, I'll never speak to you again. And so, wow, how do you combat all that, Joe? Well, you can't. You just become the best you you can be at your age and situation in life, which is what I was doing then. And you make that, you, you work on you to the point where you hope that what you have to offer is so much more powerful than those negative things that are happening from other people. And that's how it works. And she married me and we've been married for a long time. Coming up on the 33rd anniversary of the second marriage. So my friend, work on you. Now let's go all the way over to the United Kingdom across the pond. We're talking to Lloyd. Hi, Lloyd. How's it going over there? Hello, Lloyd. I'm Dr. Bean. Uh, Dr. Bean, and thanks for taking my call. You're very um, welcome. How may I help you? Yeah, I, I'm a bit stuck. I, I feel as though I'm in no man's land at the moment. Uh, just to give you a bit of background, I've been together with my wife for 18 years. We've been married for the last nine uh, about a year and a half ago, I found out that she had been in an on-and-off relationship with another man hmm. um, over a 12-year period. Um, it started uh, just before um, we, we moved in together, after we had mm -hmm. been going out for four years. Um, it then continued for another five months whilst we were living together. Um, then the relationship stopped. Um, she bumped into him six years later. By that time, we had been married for about a year and a half. Mm -hmm. um, and she started the relationship up again um, and was meeting him on and off over a three-year period in hotels and that sort of stuff. Um, We have been doing some counseling work over the last year and a half. Um, and my, my feeling is that she'd love it if I would just be able to get over it and move on. Uh, mm -hmm. But I can't. Mm -hmm. um, I've been doing the pies, so I've been working on myself. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm at a spot now where I feel that um, we... The counseling work that we've been doing, if I don't push it, she doesn't get involved. Right. Um, and I'm just stuck. Uh, I want the marriage to work, but I mm -hmm. realize that we both have to to work at it. And I just feel as though I'm willing to do more work than she is. Um, she doesn't work. Um, I, I look after her home, I pay all the bills, what have you. Mm-hmm. Um, so for her perspective, she's got a comfortable life, but I want more for my marriage. I want, mm -hmm. yeah, I want more. So, and so let me sure, make sure, let me, Lord, let me make sure I heard something correctly. It is, is she yeah. still living with you or is she living with the other guy? Where is she? Yes. Oh, no, no, she's still living with me. Okay. Uh, the relationship ended uh, several years ago with this other guy. Oh, with the other 
the relationship with the other guy ended years ago? Yes. Okay. Two years ago. All right. yeah. Two years ago. And does she yeah. want to be married to you? Yes. Okay. So here's what I'm hearing. You've been very hurt. It was a long-term affair. And it's kind of unusual in the sense that when you first moved in together, she was still seeing the other guy. That's what I heard you say, right? Correct. Yeah. 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 That's kind of unusual, of course. It's like she couldn't really make up her mind which one, you or him. Now, I don't blame you for the deep pain. Yeah. I don't blame you for the deep pain that you'd be feeling, that you are feeling because of the fact that this went on for so long and off and on. And now that, that even though she's there and she wants to be married to you, that she's not making any progress, that you have to push for any counseling to occur. And so you do, you push for that. And she goes, because you push. And I hear what you're saying. You're saying, well, that, that hurts me because if she really wants to help make this marriage better, if she wants us to put this thing together, I shouldn't have to be pushing her to go to counseling. She should have, she should want to go on her own. But you know, we talk about this with people a lot of times. Does it, does it, are you going to make the thing that becomes the final straw that breaks the camel's back based on the fact that she doesn't feel the same motivation that you feel? In other words, if she is indeed going to counseling with you, and if she is indeed any kind of progression from that counseling, that's best, that's good for the marriage. I understand why you want it to be that she wants to go. I get that. But if it's working, and, and of course you didn't say if it is or not, but if it's working and it's actually making some advantage and actually going in the right direction, then is it really that big a deal right now? I know it is in your emotions, but I'm talking about in the, in the big picture of things. Is it that big a deal that her motivation is not there? If she's doing the right thing, but not for the same motive you want her to have, if that right thing is working, then why would you stop? Because, well, you don't have the motivation I want you to have. And really, if you think about it, it's, kind of, it's very counterproductive. If you're getting progress, if you're heading in the right direction, sometimes you just need to be patient. Because if you can make the right progression, if you can get to where you need to go, then at some point along the line, her motivation is going to change. So why let her lack of motivation now keep you from making that progress? Why not look into the future? And now, Lloyd, we've started doing this online program. We just had our first one this past weekend. It's an online version of our three-day workshop we do for marriages that are in trouble. It's all the very same material. In other words, it's not like if you come to the in-person one, you get more stuff in terms of the things we cover and talk about. We talk about the same things in both versions. And of course, right now with the virus thing going on and people in quarantine, we have suspended the in-person versions until such time as as things change in the world back in the way it used to be, or at least close to the way it used to be. And so, Lord, may I recommend, and and, and if it sounds like I'm trying to sell you something, forgive me, because I never want to come across like that. But may I recommend that you contact us at marriagehelper.com, find one of our client representatives, if you haven't already talked to one, and see about the possibility of you and your wife attending via the Internet, attending our online version of the workshop. Now, right now, I'm personally the one doing all those workshops. And so that way I would get to spend three days with you and a few other couples at the same time to misunderstand. It's not individual therapy. It's not like that. Now, you can find that out by going to Marriage Helper. That's marriagehelper.com. There's a toll-free number there, but I'm not sure if it works from England. Okay. There are telephone numbers there. There's a way you can email us there, all those kinds of things. But let me go back to my basic point here, my friend. Please, please don't give up or back off on anything that's working just because of the fact that she doesn't seem to have the right motivation or or right emotions at the time. Please don't let that stop you from continuing to get the right things done. And if getting the right things done is going to that counselor or therapist, if he or she's helping you and it's working well, please don't feel put upon. I can't tell you what to feel. Please try not to allow your being hurt that she doesn't have the right motivations. Don't allow that to stop you from doing whatever is working at least in some degree to the positive. That would be my recommendation to you, my friend. And I surely hope it works out for you. And now from the UK, we'll go to a little bit further north of us up to the great state of the country of Canada to talk to Abigail. Hi, Abigail, how are you? I am very good. Thank you. And thank you for taking my call, Dr. B. You're um, very welcome. How may I, I help you, my friend? 
Um, I hope you can. Um, I've been married for 35 years. Um, we immigrated from Poland in 1989 mm-hmm. to Canada. Uh, um, so I was in Poland for a little bit by myself. Then I joined my husband in Germany, and then we came to Canada. And mm-hmm. when and then almost immediately we met our Savior. Um, mm-hmm. And then we were born again, both of us. So. A few years after our uh, born-again experience, um, I confessed to my husband that I had an affair. Mm -hmm. And that affair had been how much previous? to How many years had transpired between the time you had the affair until you told your husband about the affair? um, About seven years or something like that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So my husband left. um, Mm -hmm. At that point, we only had one child. We could never conceive again. Uh, after we found out that children are a blessing from the Lord, we tried to have more children. However, it never happened. Mm-hmm. So, um, so when he left, he came back after five weeks. Um, and then we started fostering as well in the meantime. Then we adopted three boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then... You know, my husband lost all of his family in Poland. First his father died, then his um, mm. little sister died, then his mother died, then his brother mm. died. And mm. so now mm. he's the only one that is left. Mm-hmm. So November, last November, um, well, last two years, I would say, were very rocky in our marriage. Although I always thought that I had the best marriage ever. My husband was very romantic. Everybody mm-hmm. was saying, you know, he adores you, he, he loves you. Mm-hmm. And then in November we had, um, we had a really big fight, and he basically told me, um, I have been disconnected from you since you've told me, since you've told me in 1997, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm, I'm, I'm detached from you, I'm not connected with you. We are still in the same house, but uh, in two different rooms. Um, I have been doing the smart contact, I have been doing the pies. Um, we have coffee every morning, uh, but some Good. days are very, but very sometimes are very painful where nothing is almost said. Um, mm-hmm. And just la- and just last week, last Monday, I went to my husband to ask him something, and he was very short with me, and has, he has been disrespectful to me very much. Though, so. so I said to my husband, I said, you know, I really, I really would like for you to have some respect for me because I said, you know. Other people ask you a question, and you answer them. And with me, you know, you're short, and, and, and I, I don't know how to talk with you. So he mm-hmm. says, well, would you like to talk about this? So I said, yes, let's sit down then. So we sat down and we talked. And I said to him, he says, you know, the marriage is over. I don't want to work on the marriage. It's done. It's done. And, I'm, and I said, you know, I believe in a God of miracles, and I believe I love you. I honor you more than ever before. I'm realizing mm-hmm. now what kind of a husband I have. And I really would like for us to give another chance. Right. I hear you. He I left. understand. He left. Okay. He left. Does he, he left. is yes, he, he left. still, is he still in, into your, your religion? Is he still very much into yes. that or is yes. he abandoned? Yes. Yes. Okay. No, no, no. He is very much into it. Okay. And so he what is. I'm hearing so you he say, so the, okay. What I'm hearing he you say is, is that he, yes, is in a situation where he's still not able to get past what you did. He's not going to be able to forgive you. Now, that's what I'm hearing you say. If if you want to be able to put this back together, let me recommend the book to you. And I'm sorry because it's going to sound like a sale. But if you go to Amazon Canada, okay, you can find it there. And let me tell you why I'm recommending this particular book. Because a friend of mine, you, if you watch any American or USA television, you may have seen a program called Duck Dynasty. And, and a friend of mine is one of those brothers there. And, and I'm not telling anything out of school here because they've written books about this. So I'm not revealing any information I shouldn't be revealing. But his wife had an affair and they separated and he didn't want anything to do with her. They both were uh, deep convicted Christians. But even in that, the pain he had because of what she had done, he didn't want to be involved in that. It was like, you know, I don't want to be married to you anymore. It's going to be over. It's done. Those kinds of things. And they actually separated. She wound up living in a house across the street because the friends over there allowed her to live with them so she could be closer to her daughter. And then he read a book. 
Now, the book used to be in hardback, and it had a different title then, but here's the name of it now that it's in softback. It's called Getting Past Guilt. Getting Past Guilt. Now, it's it's my book. I wrote it. And, and so that's why I, I hesitate to tell you about this, because it sounds like I'm trying to push of my book. So forgive me for that. But if you go on Amazon in Canada, you can order it there. I don't know what the Canadian price would be getting past guilt. And here's what I recommend that you do, because when Alan read that, it, it brought him to a point of conviction. That book did. And he tells people everywhere about this. And that, so I'm not, still not speaking out of school here. And it helped him come to a situation where he realized what he needed to do to put things back together with Lisa. And so he was in a state much, much like you're describing that your husband is in. I don't think, Abigail, that you telling him this is what you should do is going to work. As a matter of fact, if a person's already angry with you, already upset with you, and you're saying, but you need to do this, you need to treat me with respect, et cetera, et cetera, they typically won't hear it because they're already angry with you. But if you ask him, and that would be the thing I'd do first, hey, this book's been recommended to me, and would you read it? It is a religious book. It's actually, you know, a Bible study. But would you read this book? called getting past guilt. And if he says to you, I'm not feeling guilty about anything, say to him, I understand that, but, but I'm still carrying guilt in your eyes for the thing I did those years ago. And so if you would be willing to read this book, let's get it. Now, I'm not saying it's going to work a miracle, but I'm saying it has been of great help to other people in your exact situation when they both identify as Christians. And so I'm suggesting that you do that for him. And if you'll read that, and maybe you guys even read through it together, let him read it first to his, on his own. And then after that, after that, you guys talk about it. Hopefully, hopefully that will help. And again, since I'm already sounding like I'm doing a commercial, we do now have an online version of our program that you can do right there from Canada, our three-day intensive that we do for marriages in trouble. You can find out about it at marriagehelper.com. And may I say one last thing, and not necessarily just to Abigail, but to everybody. I realize that sometimes people years later think what I need to do is tell my spouse about something I did years ago, thinking somehow that it's going to alleviate your guilt or that somehow it's going to make the marriage, marriage better. I don't have time to explain it right now because we're nearly out of time and I want to get to some more callers, but we actually teach a principle in our workshop of knowing when it's wise to do that and when it's wise to do that. Because sometimes, even though you think it's going to make things better, or at least clear your conscience of whatever it might be, if you're going to go and tell about something you did years ago, sometimes it's the absolute worst thing you can do. I am not ever, and will I never, try to help people get away with things. That's not what this is about. But, but I always ask the question, how does it benefit you? And how does it benefit the relationship? If it's not going to do that, why dredge up the past? Now, what we teach in the workshops much more in depth, but that's kind of a, a simple version of it. And so now we're going to go over to Oklahoma and talk to Chantel. Hi, Chantel. How are you today? I'm good. How are you? Thank you for taking Rockin the call. Rocking and bopping. I'm just trying to avoid the virus like everybody else, my friend. Yes. <laughs> what, what may I do for um, you today? I will try. Um, I'll try to explain it as easy as I can. Um, my husband and I have been married for almost 12 years, been friends for 20, and um, we have two children together. And um, we have been separated for about five months now, and um, he's living at his parents' house, which is actually right next door to us. And um, he's in his last semester of nursing school, and he um, – he got involved with a girl in his class that's half his age, and they've been on and off this time, this whole time, and right now they're off. Um, but he says he still cares about her and worries about her a lot and stuff. But anyways, um, we've been talking about reconciliation and him possibly coming back home, but he's um, he's hung up on some things um, in the past. Like, like what? Like what? What what possible um, thing he's hung up on? Um, well, he had um, he's had several emotional affairs just um, online, mm -hmm. and um, it was he told me that it was because he felt like I didn't give him enough attention that I always put so the children first fault. or put my yeah so or I put um, my mm -hmm. yeah mm -hmm. or I put my job first, and mm -hmm. so. Um, you realize now I'm not that, saying you realize I'm not saying it was your fault. I'm saying he was saying it was oh, your no, fault. Oh no, no, yeah, yeah. Right, okay. yeah. And so, um, so now, um, 
all it was just emotional before, but this relationship with this girl now has been physical. It's been intimate. Mm-hmm. And um, I told him that I'm willing to forgive him or that I have forgiven him. I just want our marriage back. You know, I want to put our family mm-hmm. back together. And he has a hard time that um, he doesn't believe that I had a hard time getting past just the emotional affairs. How am I going to get past something that right. went far beyond that, like physical mm-hmm. And um, so he's hung up on that, and then he um, he's hung up on um, the fact that um, I felt like he treated me poorly with all the emotional affairs. He's like, why do you want? Why are you trying to save something that destroyed you? Said destroyed you, and then he thinks that if we do get back together, we'll probably be good for a year or two, and then we'll go back to the same problems. And I'll start. Do you feel the same way? No, I don't. I I feel completely different. Like, I feel like I can't move past this, but he keeps bringing it up. And so, I mean, it's starting to make me a little worried. What? What if, okay. you know, I've been putting so much energy. It's okay to be human. So have you guys actually agreed that he's going to move back home or is it still just something you're contemplating? Something we're just contemplating. Okay. Is he still involved with the other woman? Um, they still talk, but um, he said that they are not, they're, they're broken up, I guess. And, and do you believe he's telling you the truth? Yes. Because okay, he good. was really upset about it. He was talking to me about her. Good. Oh, by the way, if he can talk to you about her and you can actually have a conversation where you listen and understand, that makes you really amazing, Chantel. So good for you. Glad to hear that. Okay. Let me Thank recommend you. something that's going to happen. And uh, I'm, I'm going to jot your number down and give it to our people. Not this week, but if I, if, <laughs> this is a big if, you would think that, you know, we're all at home and therefore things would go a lot faster and getting things done. Somehow it's just the opposite. But if I can finish the project I'm working on this week and can finish it up, then starting next week, starting next week, Kimberly Holmes, our CEO and I, are actually going to do a series on reconciliation about, you know, when do you do it? How do you do it? It'll wind up being probably a couple of hours of videos and there'll be PDFs that go along with it. And and uh, even though we might hopefully we'll get it done next week, that it still have to go through some editing and some other processes. So it's not going to be available immediately, but hopefully it won't be very long at all. Now, what I want to do is I want to give you that when it's ready, I want to make it a present for me to you. Do, do you have okay. my Andy Chandler, a client representative here at Marriage Helper that you've ever worked with? If not, that's fine. But um, yes, uh, I've been working with Chelsea. Okay, Chelsea. Tell Chelsea that Dr. Bean said as soon as the new, rec- the, new, the new reconciliation course is available, he said he would give it to me. Of course, she'll check with me. They always do. And I'll tell her, yeah, yeah I told Chantel that. And so in that, in that, I can actually, because Kimberly and I will go through an hour and a half to two hours of explanations about it, along with the PDF and that kind of stuff for you to have. If, if you can just hang on for a couple of weeks, three, whatever weeks, till that comes out, then my recommendation is that you take that, you look at it first, and if you think it's potentially helpful to you, then ask your husband to sit down and look at it and go through it with you. And it will help you how it will help you overcome these hesitations, these fears that he has that's causing fears within you. Because you see, just going back together doesn't necessarily make things good and can potentially make things worse. The illustration I often use is this. People think that reconciliation is like jumping in the deep end of the pool. You know, we're in here, we're fine, we're swimming again, everything's wonderful. But the problem is if you jump into the deep end of the pool and you haven't made all the right preparations and you think you know how to swim, but it turns out that you don't, you're in great jeopardy. And so often people think, we'll just move back in together, that'll solve all their problems. And then they wind up splitting up again in even more rancor than they had before. And so we're saying no reconciliation is more like wading in from the shallow end of the pool. And sometimes it's three steps forward, two steps back, one step to the left, four steps to the right, then another step forward, then another step back. And if you understand that that's the way that process goes, then you don't panic on any given day if things aren't working like you thought they should be working, like you expected them to work. 
And so for all of you out there, hopefully within the next three weeks, if I can get it done, in the next three weeks, we'll have that course available. It'll be relatively inexpensive. I have no idea what our CEO will charge for it. But but we try to make everything affordable for everybody. And if and, and to Chantel, you tell Chelsea that Dr. Bean promised you a free copy of it and she'll give you that. Okay. The rest of you, because I can't give them all away, we have to have enough to keep our nonprofit operating. Even though we're a five hundred one c three nonprofit, it takes you know it takes revenue to open the doors and pay the employees and all those kinds of things. And I sure you, I'm sure you understand that. Our goal is that anything we provide for you is worth more than you pay for it. That's our goal, and we try to live up that in every shape, fashion, or form. If you're looking for some more videos that will help you with different aspects, go to youtube.com slash marriage helper. There are hundreds of free videos there on so many different subjects. So it's marriage helper. I'm sorry, it's youtube.com slash marriage helper. Go to our website. It's marriagehelper.com, or you can call us. And our toll-free number that you can find on our website, our hour is up for today. I look forward to being with you guys again next Monday. Thank you for being part of this program.